understand a lot more when I explain my map. This map is very old, but it is always current. It's, it's a living thing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Damn Fine Podcast, the show that looks at Twin Peaks. We've rewatched, and now... We've returned. I'm Tom Merritt. With me is Ronald Richards. <laughs> it's good to be back, Tom. <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> uh, also joining us, you hear giggling in the background there, is Gabriel Hardman, comic book creator and movie storyboard artist. Uh, most recently worked on Logan. Uh, welcome back to the show, Gabe. Oh, thanks for having me back. I, I appreciate it. I, 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 I explicitly left out your most recent screen credit, Gabe, because I thought you'd prefer us to talk about Logan. So. I don't know what that is. Well, uh, it's, 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 it's the Pirates movie. Oh, that horrible Pirates movie. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> see it. I don't know. I, I worked on it for a month. I don't even know why they gave me credit. I, 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 would, have, I would have assumed that, uh, I mean, so many people worked on it, and I worked on it early on. I would have assumed all that changed, and I don't know why they did, but whatever. Yeah. It is what it is. Well, IMDb says otherwise. You, yeah, IMDb okay. says you directed the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Of course, we've, we've had Gabe on a couple of times, uh, so we if you haven't heard those episodes, go back, dig them up, listen to them, uh, watch the original Twin Peaks episodes that go along with them, but uh, we're going to skip past Gabe's history with Twin Peaks and uh, check in and find out how you're doing with the return so far. When last we talked, it was right before the premiere of Part 1. Yes. Uh, and like I said back then, I was... I was always I always felt like I wanted it to be something very different and that I that I you know that I I was a lot less on the side of I want this to be a, a kind of sentimental recreation of uh, of the Twin Peaks that uh, that we all knew. And and I really hoped it would be something different. And you know what? It is. You got it. <laughs> and <laughs> um, and honestly, I've like I mean, there are, you know, there are things I like about it. There are things I don't like about it. But, uh, but I'm, I really, I'm really positive on how crazy it is, and I, I like that it's this weird, challenging thing. And uh, I don't mind that uh, you, uh, you, you sit in rooms and wait for people to, uh, you know, uh, walk from other sides of buildings <laughs> to get them into a scene, and uh, you know, like I, I think that it, because it, it like puts you into this very different world than everything else that you're watching. And, uh, and I love to kind of be transported by it. And I don't mind Dougie Jones. Uh, I was going to ask you where you come down on the very important uh, question of Dougie it's, Jones. Even after part 11, you're, you're still totally. I, yeah. Blind. I'm still with Dougie Jones. Actually the, um, I was the least with Dougie Jones in episode three. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, like uh, the, you know, Mr. Jackpot's era, Dougie Jones was <laughs> uh, was kind of like, I, I mean, it was kind of bugging me. And then but somehow getting past it, I kind of don't mind it because I, I really feel like I'm, I'm very open to taking the thing on its own terms and not feeling like I need it to be what I expect. And uh, I, I often feel with things that, uh, you know, there's a uh, when you when it's nostalgic and when you're when you're coming back to something and you're being presented with a, a you know, a nostalgic return to something, it's, you know, you get a little bit of satisfaction out of that for a couple of minutes. And then uh, and, and it has its little arc and you end and I personally end up 
feeling a little hollow about it all. Yep. I mean, I feel I felt like, the, you know, most literally everybody else in the world this is, disagrees with me, but like the force awakens. I mean, it, it <laughs> felt like a it's at first it's like, oh, this is familiar stuff. I like this. And then it's then it's like, oh, well, I, this doesn't make a lot of sense, but I'm going along with it. And then uh, and then at a certain point, I I felt like a little hollow about it and that it was desperate to entertain me and desperate is... to for, for me to love it. And uh, and there's nothing I hate more than desperation. This... And if there's one thing that Twin Peaks, the return does not give a fuck about it's whether <laughs> I like it or not. G- Gabe, I can't even tell you how great it is that you just talked about that because that that is the dark curse of of age and wisdom, I think, right? And I and I actually experienced an amazing example of this this weekend. J- just yesterday, I was at a family barbecue, right? And my oldest niece was there, and she's uh, 13, 14. Go- she's going into high school in the fall, right? So she's at that age. She's going into ninth grade. And she loved that Disney movie, The Descendants. I don't know if you're familiar with this or not, but it was, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it was, it's about the kids of the the princesses and the villains, and it's like a you know a Disney Channel kind of thing, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it, it makes me want to swallow a shotgun when they put it on. But the, the kids love it, right? So the first movie came out like two, three years ago, and she was like, you know, fifth, sixth grade, loved the Descendants, blah, 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 stuff. So Descendants two came out last week. And I'm at this barbecue, and I turn to my niece. I go, oh, your Descendants movie came out. Did you like it? And she goes, ah, not really. And I go, oh, yeah. And she goes, yeah, no, I was watching it. And, like, it started really good. But then it was like, it seemed like they're trying too hard. Uh, and and yeah. I and I just reached over and I hugged her and I said you don't know I said you don't know why I'm hugging you but in 20 years you will and I just walked away. <laughs> I think that's one of the that's things right. that that Lynch and Frost are nailing yeah. in in this series and it took me a little while to appreciate it properly. I have you have you guys ever gone back to something 20 years later? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's how this feels. When I, and, and particularly, I don't want to get too far into the discussion, but when we saw Shelly and Bobby sitting down at Twin Peaks Diner and at the Double R, uh, I I was like, oh yeah, this feels like what feel things feel like twenty years later. Like you're like, oh, I these right. are the same things, but they're not in the same place. They but, don't look the that, same. That, they don't act the same. Right. Nothing is yep. the same twenty years later in real life. And and what they're capturing here is the real feeling of like, wow, things have changed a lot since I was last year. And, and that's the thing is like when they showed them sitting at the diner and Bobby was in his leather jacket, I got like giggly. And then. You know, a couple of minutes, like a couple of seconds into that scene, you realize, oh, this is a different dynamic. This is a different world. And what's great is that reflects life because life moves on. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, yeah. I totally get what you're going for with the uh, returning to places in real life thing. I mean, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, because um, even even if the like the building hasn't changed, right? Like you'll notice, oh, a signage is different. This seemed bigger back then, or whatever, whatever yeah, right? Yeah, just, they never they never feel the same. Yeah, right. somehow uh, this this world has neon fill light. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> got put in in the past twenty years. Yes, I don't know. Yeah. But um, but all right. Well, we'll but before we move on and talk about the episode, though, I know we, we touched on Dougie, but we need to. I want Gabriel. I want to hear your other uh, your thoughts on the other controversial thing of the return. What did you think of uh, episode eight? I fucking love episode eight, and I love just that I it's. This is almost the only thing in the world that I love right now. I mean, the the I feel while everything else is burning and horrible, there there's a sort of 
wonderful burning and horrible <laughs> episode eight that, that that made me feel happy to just be around to see it. Mm. Yep. I liked it. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I think really what did. Part eight confused the hell out of me, and, and that that is to my own detriment. I, I'm not saying that it's in any way David Lynch's fault. Uh, it took me a week to process that, but I think the fact that I was able to process it, and I'm still feeding off that, even in this uh, this episode that we had today, uh, is a testament to how how much better that part was than I than I realized when I watched it. And what I've what I've started to figure out is. We have been weaving something here, uh, and what felt like entirely unconnected strands are coming together more and more. And I don't know about you guys, but part 11, this may be one of my favorite episodes so far in that all of these different parts that are in this episode, and granted, not all the parts are in here, but all these parts are feeling like they are paying off things that you know may or may not even mean the things that we're guessing it means and uh and and really i mean making you uh just just making you grapple with stuff and uh i just thought i found it so visually exciting now i'm getting excited about episode eight i'm sorry <laughs> I mean, it, it, like I, I i found it really uh just so compelling and felt like these are images these are are uh these are things that are going to stick with me for a really long time yeah. Well, and, and, and go, Tom, going back to what you said, is that like at the time when episode eight happened, and I love the fact that now it's the kind of thing like I remember where I was when episode eight happened. Yeah, right? Right. Like it's, it became like it really is, is going to be a TV event kind of thing that we look at. But like at the yeah, time. Were you watching a television set at the time? But the thing was that at the time we wondered why this now? And yeah. and I, with this episode, it's starting to make sense. Oh, that was the right time to do that interlude because now that's going to lay the track for all this kind of stuff that we're seeing, you know. And so, yeah. I mean, it's it's it continues to be masterful, and it continues. Gabe, to your point, it's not anything that we expected, but it's so much more. It's so it's so wonderful. Like that that makes it that much better. Like I'm glad even even tonight with the little little dips of of reminders of what things were as that as Lynch has been doing. Lynch and Frost have been doing that throughout the show. You yeah. know, seeing Bobby and Shelly in the in the um, in the diner, uh, there was a moment, and we'll get to it in the show. But there was a, the moment with uh, Bushnell uh, doing push-ups. I, I was like, "Oh, that's little. That reminds me of things." But it's its own thing, and that's what I think is, makes it so wonderful. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's uh, dive into part eleven, described as "There's fire where you are going." Uh, first thought, and 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 our opening shot, which is that the woman has survived the explosion in her trailer somehow. Uh, uh, is that wow? This is going to come back on Chad. Oh, right. interesting. Because that was the first thing I thought is like, if she's alive and she's able to tell her tale, and granted, she hasn't had a chance to tell her tale yet, though, then she's going to say she sent mail, and then people are going to ask Lucy, did the mail come? And then, right, yeah. it's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, well, what's funny is that, like, so I didn't even, when this, when this, first the episode opens with the shot of the mountain, which, by the way, when I see that, I get happy, because I know that means we're yeah, in yeah. two peaks, right? But then the, seeing the kids play ball, and then seeing, the, the kids seeing a body in the woods, for a moment, my heart sunk, because I was like, oh, is this it? Like, is this the murder? Like, you know, like, oh, we keep, yeah, yeah, we keep waiting for the thing, yeah, but, um, yeah. And, and I guess it kind of is or isn't, I don't know, but the fact that it was the, what's her name, the the woman, the the, the eyewitness from uh, Richard's yeah. uh, Hidden Run, um, I, yeah, I, I didn't even think about Chad, I thought about just Richard Horn, but. Yeah, well, and also the the fact that it's kids who are finding her, and it's a link to the horrible thing with the kid, and then the kid follows the 
fall out into the street. Yeah, like, kid, don't go in the street. Okay, it, it bad was, things happen in the street in Twin Peaks. No. <laughs> it, for it kids, was, yeah, it was full of tension, right? It was very like it was tense. I didn't like it. No, I know because <laughs> that, that's very obviously a country road, and I grew up in a small town, so I was at one part of my brain is like it's country road, right? Kid knows he can hear a truck yeah. if it's coming, and the other part of me was doing exactly what you said, Gabe, which is like, but this is Twin Peaks. <laughs> so, yeah, and. In, in this, particularly the Twin Peaks of now, which seems to very deliberately be set up as some place where, you know, things are not great anymore. Oh, and things yeah. are, it's, it's the, all of that sort of uh, gee whiz naivete is sort of eaten away by something kind of awful underneath. And, uh, you know, in, in, a, in so deliberately. Yeah, and then we go into a, a series of scenes which are are bang bang, uh, almost action like in 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 Becky getting a call and screaming and calling Shelly and Shelly running out of the diner, and then I think probably Ron has secretly written fanfic about this moment: a Carl and Shelly team up. <laughs> I ever thought about a Carl and Shelly team up, but I was, I didn't even think about Carl because I was too I just jo- assume you've written fanfic about well, Carl. I just, I love Carl, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. American treasure, Harry Dean Stanton. Um, but, uh, but no, but I was more taken aback by the action sequence that involves Shelly riding the hood of the yes. car as Becky pulls out of the trailer yeah. park, throwing Shelly off the, I, I, I literally, I said, what? <laughs> so, yeah. Who knew that uh, one of David Lynch's big influences was TJ Hooker? You know? <laughs> They just keep coming. There's it, it, nothing less elegant than a David Lynch action sequence, but yeah. <laughs> it was pretty crazy and fun. <laughs> well, it definitely, I mean, it well, had, but it had that moment of chaos, which I think, I, I, you know, that's what it yeah. was. It was, you know, moment, you know, Becky yeah. Becky has found out that her that her dirtbag husband is cheating on her, and she's, you know, chases, goes chasing, doesn't have a car, does whatever she has to take, and this is really bottom for her, right? Like, that's what that that was the moment where, like, shit got crazy. Um, yeah. And then, then we get the chase scene, which is pretty much Shelly in the back of the van with Carl on the phone well, with how, Norma. How badass is Carl would just like, fl- like A, blows a whistle and a VW yeah. bus arrives, yeah. right? Like, right? And then and then she, you know, Shelly calls Norma saying, what should I do? Which, the, the Norma-Shelly relationship is weird because Shelly seems to turn into a child around Norma, right? Right. Uh, which Norma is, is her, yeah. her yeah, surrogate, surrogate mother. mother right? Yeah. yeah. And you know, and Norma says, "We'll call Bobby." And then Carl's already flipped the the, the little lid on his little box <laughs> next to him, and he's got a CB that's patched right into the nine one one operator, right? And he's just like, "Hey, it's Carl. Get me Bobby." And like, it's just like, uh, Carl, like you couldn't have just hung up the smartphone. Well, it was yeah. weird enough seeing Norma and Shelly on smartphones, but yeah. you couldn't have just hung up the smartphone and and called Bobby yourself. No, you needed Carl listen, to patch right into nine one one. Listen, listen, Carl Rod is the back bone of Twin Peaks now. Now that's it's the it's the new fat trap trout trailer trailer park in Twin Peaks. Carl is the backbone. That's what I've realized. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get we but get a staircase. A, oh no, sorry, go ahead, Kim. A big reveal though in the scene. Uh, Shelley Briggs. I mean, yes. it, the the fact that you know that uh, uh, the where where we go with that was a uh, uh, Carl delivered the the big reveal that we didn't really exactly know up until this point. Yeah. yeah. No. And, and and for a moment, were you like, oh, they're still together? Mm. No, I know. Uh, I, I was like, they want me to think maybe they're still together, and I bet they're not. Oh no, I was. I was all about it. I was like, oh yeah, I fell for it. But no, yeah, the fact I that didn't. she didn't call Bobby first kind of tipped me off. Yeah, 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 yeah. and that she was so hesitant about it. Sure. Yeah, but uh, again, let's just take a moment to yeah. recognize how awesome Harry Dean Stanton is. I'm sorry. Just yes, moment <laughs> of applause. For Harry Did Dean you Stanton. see the trailer for that new movie? By the way. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh God, the, the movie Lucky was starring him. It's fan- oh. it looks it looks great. So anyway, David Lynch is in it too. Yes, <laughs> and it's and it's directed by somebody whose last name is Lynch with no relation. It's the guy who played the Zodiac killer in, or or the suspected Zodiac killer in Zodiac. Mm. Oh yeah, um, wonder right. Cheryl Lee will be in it. It ends. It, it ends. Uh, his name is Lynch. It's it's a three name thing. Like uh, yeah, yeah, I know that guy. Uh, John Carroll yeah, Lynch. Right, yeah. Oh, you yes, know him? Yes. Really? Oh man. Well, not personally, but he. Yeah, <laughs> the, um, I know him from things. Right. He's actually over at Gabe's house right now. <laughs> He's <Yes>. just. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we're getting right, distracted. I really so. want to get to the staircase shot because yes. even though it's obviously not the Palmer house, I had Bob was all over that shot to me uh, when they're in the apartment complex and he just hangs on that staircase shot. And then we see Becky uh, storming up. We see her knocking on the door. We see her shooting the door. We get the 911 operator perspective on the shots. But the big, big reveal is that Steven, Dirtbag Steven, has been cheating on Becky with Gersten Hayward. The sh- shocker. Shell-shocked when I saw That's that in the amazing. credits. I know. Not, not, not only oh, is, I recognized Alicia uh, Witt immediately. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, not only is it Gersten Hayward, but it's a- the actual actress that played Gersten Hayward in the, in the, Hayward in the original show. Alicia Witt. Yeah. Oh. Alicia Witt, yeah. Poor Doc. Uh, hey, does this, Doc, is Doc Hayward know what she's up to? This is horrible. This is telling you this 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 world of Twin Peaks has has gone to hell. You know, I mean, uh, Gersten Hayward. This is almost as excited to see Gersten Hayward as uh, Ron is to see Carl Rod. I just got to say, (laughs) I mean, this is little Gersten Hayward in the tutu with the performing for the Palmers at dinner. Yeah, uh, how the mighty have fallen. Then we uh, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, Gordon Cole and, and Albert uh, crawling onto the empty lot. We've got trash zombies all over the place, uh, and we get we get that tie into part eight that you were talking about, Gabe. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think that if like if you didn't have part eight, then this would have just been exactly the same as the uh, you know as as the guy in the cell in in part two whose yeah. head flies off, and yep. you know it would have just been a little like. Uh, what 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 is that creepy thing? But I mean, when the fact that we saw all that stuff means this is now suspense. And what are those guys going to do? And what those guys do is uh, smash people's heads in. I, I mean, it looks like they're the foot foot soldiers of Bob or whatever. You know what I mean? Like and oh, and so yeah, whatever. Yeah, right. And I, and I mean, clearly clearly cleaning up their mess. Um, and did did you catch when uh, the the police detective called for backup? Uh, did you catch the address? Oh, uh, yeah, Sycamore. Yeah, Sycamore. Sycamore, right? yeah it was yeah. 2240 yeah. Sycamore, right? So, yeah. so this goes back to our speculation that those coordinates and what Hastings went to was another door to the lodge, right? Like, like in the like this, uh, you know, in Twin Peaks, yeah. and the fact yeah. that it's on yeah. Sycamore, right? So, does that mean wherever Dougie is in Vegas that also has a lot of those street names? Is that another one? Who knows? But yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's oh, cool. Rancho Rosa, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But what 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 about Diane seeing it and then? Not only, you know, seeing it, not saying anything, and then when she does recount it later on, like, saying she saw one of them leaving the car, but she saw one going into the car. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, she 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 hears him calling for backup, and you see her go, there's no backup for this. Oh, God. She knows exactly right. what's going on, and she's playing dumb. Yeah. But she's not playing fully dumb. She didn't say she didn't see anything, so she's not entirely trying to cover up. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on with Diane's. Stuff. I still, I still think the jury's out on Diane. I mean, they are selling it so hard that mm-hmm. she's dirty that yeah. I, I think that 
that they're the jury's definitely still out you know i mean it, they're 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 being too explicit about it for her to definitely be that right and of course we find the body of ruth davenport which has coordinates on the arm and i didn't get a chance to copy them down no i didn't uh, and i couldn't see I'm what they were in the photo that later. those coordinates have i mean albert almost says it's a city north and then gets cut yeah. off yeah i'm assuming yeah. it's the same coordinates that hawk and sheriff truman are headed off to that would make I sense. So. Yeah, that would That'd make sense. Nice. Yeah. Um, but but what what about when so when Gordon walks closer to the house and starts going into the lodge and you know, David Lynch, you know, using some special effects with the vortex and stuff like that. Oh yeah. And then he sees you know, he saw the trash hobos or the, the ash men or whatever you want to call them, um, you know, in a room. Like was he in the convenience store? That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Or was he seeing I mean, into the lodge? Is the lodge the convenience store? I mean, that's the thing. Like, like we we right. still don't. I, I mean, I think, but all the lodge stuff has been represented in, represented in this really multifaceted way. Now it's not yeah. just this one waiting room thing. I mean, there's all sorts of shit. That, so I mean, I don't even know if we have a way to understand it that way anymore. Right. I mean, that goes you know? back. To, that goes back to when we talked about when we talked about the season two finale. And I think Gabe, you you you're the one who mentioned it. That was like. You know, we don't even know where Cooper went into. It's supposed to be the waiting room. It may not even be the 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 Black Lodge or the you know the right. and and yeah. Now that we've seen so many other locations in this other place, I fr- I froze the frame where the trash hobos were and they're standing on a staircase. You mm-hmm. know, and so it doesn't even look like a room. It look I, I don't even know what it is. It's hard right. to and upstairs I, at the lodge or yeah. above a convenience store. Yeah, yeah maybe above this, a convenience store. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that looked familiar to me, but I think it's because there was a shot in uh, in one of in one of the few trailers that was a, a, a kind of, huh. you know, sputtery shot of a staircase. Yeah, that I think was that, oh. you know, so I don't know. I really, really love that when you had the close up of, of Gordon Cole, it was fuzzy. You know, yep. as if he yeah. were in the in, in phase. Yeah. But then that big, long shot. Yeah, you just see him with his arms up and it just kind of set the entire scene. That was yeah. really well done. I love that, too, that that we were we're in there with him and it's this crazy thing. And then but then we just pop out to, oh, no, the world doesn't see this. You know, yeah. the, this is not this is not for everybody else. This is just for the, the select few people who can, you know, find their way into this world. And for, for a moment, I got because they showed us um, Albert's point of view and it was all you know, going out of focus, and I thought something was happening to Albert, but, like, I guess because Albert was close enough, his view, it was, it, he he wasn't quite in, but he was kind of out, you know, yeah. so it gave you, you know, the, the closer you were to it, it was different perspective, which I thought was a great touch. And for a moment, I worried that's that it's Albert was dying or something, but luckily he's yeah. okay. He's okay. Yeah, right? I mean, he's already dead in real life, but, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, too Miguel Farrer. Yeah, too soon. Yeah, I know. Oh. Terrible. <laughs> Uh, well, let's let's talk a little bit more about uh, the Briggs family conversation uh, because it does lead into another uh, another seemingly unrelated piece, which we're still getting less often, but we're still getting them that I I, I think may come up later. Uh, that's that's of course talking about Becky, and we we get we get the vibe that maybe Bobby and Shelley are are co-parenting, but not together. And of course, uh, that it's very, very much confirmed when, when Shelley smiles brightly and runs out of the room uh, to go kiss on somebody else while Bobby looks disappointed. It looks to me like Bobby regrets that things are the way they are. 
Yeah, that that was. I mean, the, the scene was interesting because I was trying. I was looking for rings. I, I mean, that's at this point, I'm like, is Bobby wearing a ring? Is she wearing a ring? I just wanted to mm-hmm. see that detail. And you know, I mean, the, the, Becky's a. Gr- I mean, she's married herself, so she's a grown daughter. So who knows? I, I don't know when Shelly and Bobby split, but you they they were doing it enough where they were giving looks to each other like the connection you know like this is their child right and so yeah. they sold yeah. them together at some point and then when red comes outside and gets shelly's attention and shelly lights up and runs right out i was like oh god she's her daughter is no different than her yeah i think that they were very clearly sending that yeah signal, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah they both have some maturity issues yeah. <laughs> so then after she comes back in there's a shot rings out and of course things being what they are I, I'm assuming it's you know it's 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 a it's somebody driving by or somebody maybe take a pot shot at Becky, mm. uh, and and I love how Bobby being the sheriff you know kill the, or, or everybody down, uh, and then you hear Norma kill the lights. I'm like, <laughs> good thing, Norma. kill the lights. <laughs> wait, wait, can we back can we back up to Norma? By the way, earlier in the episode, Norma is still oh, sure. in that still in that booth paying bills. So many bills, never man, these days. Bills. That, that, yeah. that double R diner must be either so deep in the red or it just like she's got the Rolodex. Hire an accountant, <laughs> yeah, for goodness sake. <laughs> on the other hand, she likes to stay on top of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Keeps, her, keeps her in touch. I think that that's involved. laudable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really did like the cuts to Norma, who's not involved in the conversation, sort of disapproving or approving of the trend <laughs> as it, as it well, goes. The, well, th- that's actually, I have a bone to pick with that because I, I think Norma's wonderful, the great Peggy Lipton. Uh, we're not getting a lot of acting from her other than concerned looks. And this ties into, I know everybody right now, one of the one of the recent mantras, at least since episode eight, has been, where's Audrey, where's Audrey, where's Audrey? And I feel like I'm o- the only person there screaming off the rooftops, where's Big Ed? Yeah. We know he's well, coming. He was in the trailer. He was at Comic Con for God's sake. Jesus. And we yeah. got the we got the first reference to his gas farm. Yes, right? we did. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Apropos of nothing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I th- I thought it was Norma looked concerned. Norma looked concerned. Norma looked concerned until Shelley finally said the right thing, and then Norma nodded like, "Yes, yeah. that's what I've been waiting for." Yeah. And um, Becky kind of like focused in on Norma, and uh, and it was like. Uh, Becky was going, oh my God, there's the adult. And yeah. she's, you know, she's, there, there's the one who actually knows how to be an adult. This right. Yeah. Probably not true. But, yeah, you know, n- you know and, and, you know, the look that Norma gave Becky, like, you didn't, you know, like, is your mother okay? And that's when she real, oh my God, I'm sorry. You know, like, cause yeah. you, 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 you almost mm-hmm. ran her over. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, uh, the, the shot turns out to have just been a kid in the backseat of an SUV. Uh, whose mother is very upset that the father put the gun back there. A kid uh, seems pretty unfazed by it uh, and does a little stare down with Bobby Briggs. Well, the the stare down I thought was relevant to Bobby because the kid is yeah the kid is dressed in wearing camo a camo shirt and jeans and a and a hat with this like unaffected look and then Bobby looks at the father who's dressed exactly the same having the same mannerisms and there's mm-hmm. so much you know and especially coming off of Bobby with the message that his father predicted and all stuff like that and there's so much generational stuff going on you know, mm-hmm. as much as we think we're different than our parents, are we? Like, like that's kind of don't what worry, Bobby. Like. When that boy gets to his teens, he'll rebel against his father and and become like an anti-gun activist and, and wear dresses <laughs> or something. I don't know. Kids always rebel. Um, yeah. 
Let's uh, well, well, and then, well, I'm sorry, I was going to the uh, the the woman who kept honking the horn all the way through, who was freaking out. And at first, I think, oh, okay, this is just a Lynch character where he likes to exaggerate a scene to to bring out the emotion. But then you get wait, wait, wait. The, was there something exaggerated about that woman? Because that's how I feel like four hours a day. Yeah, I'll, exp- <laughs> I'll explain that at length now. Um, but 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 I didn't even we I we didn't even we got glattered a little bit that there's a sick person in the yes. car. <laughs> what? What the hell was that? Yeah, a sick person who seems to be like uh, inhabited by drooling fish people and burst out of no idea what to do with that. It was a it was a little zombie esque, and like and the woman is screaming, saying that she we we're late for dinner. Her uncle will be there, and then she's like she's sick, and then that's and I was like, what it what is this? Like, is this tied to anything, or is this just complete non sequitur? I don't know. We'll find out. I bet it's tied to something, but it's also very strange. I mean, it like is. that sequ- that scene was weirder than a lot than most anything else in this show to me because yep. it was so oddly like. Uh, I mean, it's it's in the middle of this already weird non sequitur scene, and yeah. then uh, and then like it's this strange sort of vaguely supernatural thing or not i don't know that's happening and bobby is just not reacting to it really mm-hmm. yeah and uh and it, everything about it was bizarre not ne- not bad necessarily but just very very bizarre i mean it's kind of pea soupy exorcist-esque you know in ter- yeah, not, not vomiting but just kind of drooling out of her mouth and yeah, yeah and bobby's just like frozenness was e- as uh, almost more disturbing I would be too yeah, I even guess, if you yeah. are a sheriff's deputy, yeah, jeez, like, especially the way she kind of zombied up from the seat, you yeah. know, yeah. yeah. Well, it was like she was being, it, it, she was just in the darkness, and she burst up out of yeah. the darkness in this, yeah. this weird reveal, I, which was actually great. I, I, I love that. I mean, I love the. Uh, I mean, one thing that David Lynch does great, uh, not to take anything away from Lisa Linka Gladder, but uh, it is to just have like have these kind of long things where you uh where you think you're expecting one thing and it turns out to be another thing yeah. like i you know i mean he's so good at being able to milk stuff because he's clearly fearless in holding on something forever so uh i mean like i think every time i see one of the you know one of these things where uh uh he he will just hold on something and then and is making a us wait for some reveal like i i just imagine every single person i've ever worked with in movies being like mortified that people will get bored or or, or turn it off or whatever yeah. and just david lynch does not care no, i think it's doesn't. just such a wonderful thing yeah no we had we had uh, uh rick remender on last week and he was ta- he was saying similarly he was saying how you know like the 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 pacing and just the not caring about people's impatience or you know or uncomfortableness is just is is wonderful and yeah that's what makes yeah, live so great yeah yeah uh, we also get a brief interlude where we see the log lady again. I didn't think we were going to get to see Margaret. I kind of yeah. thought that was our last call last time, but she tells Hawk, uh, my log is afraid of fire. There's fire where you are going, Hawk, uh, after he and Sheriff Truman have been comparing maps. And I love that Sheriff Truman has Google Maps. Oh, Hawk- no, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. She, we, we're led to believe Sheriff Truman has Google Maps, but I paused it 
And oh, yeah. the shot of this, the computer, I'm sorry, I know we're teasing about David, yeah, yeah, yeah. David Lynch's <laughs> warped world of technology, but <laughs> when they, they cut to the shot of the laptop and you see Sheriff Truman hitting, you know, hitting the button to zoom in, at the very bottom you see page four of nine, page five of nine, page six of nine. It's just a PDF of screenshots. <laughs> oh, that might be a continuity error because no. that's definitely the Google Maps icon. Oh, flag, oh right? no, no, it is. Yeah, but but the what they're moving through, it, it literally says on the bottom, page four slash nine. Continuity page four, error, yeah. or it could be that Sheriff Truman does that, exports maps as yeah. PDFs. Yeah. Maybe he just maybe just so that because he he doesn't want to have to worry about like the the unreliable internet connectivity yeah. of, uh, <laughs> of the sheriff station right. in Twin Peaks, and, and he uh, thinks he's he, being he, really he, digital forward because he's not printing them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm going to save these screenshots and I'm going to make a PDF out of it so that I know I have it. It'll be I'm easy to zoom it'll, it'll be easy to zoom in on to show Hawk. Okay. Yes. <laughs> But uh, I, I but like, yes. but I like the, I like the, I like the juxtaposition of Sheriff Truman with Google Maps, and then Hawk rolls out an ancient Indian map, <laughs> which and, is still current and, because it's a living map. Yeah. Yes. And what did he like? He said something like. Uh, like things will be clearer when I explain my map to you. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, thanks. I'm sure it's all going to be a lot clearer. <laughs> this campfire that just means fire, but not fire. Kind of like electricity. The idea of fire. Oh, is it bad? It can be either thing. <laughs> it can be good. It can be bad. perfectly. Clear. But this black corn—that's bad. <laughs> Uh, but it's great. I mean, uh, g- getting Hawk with the with the legend and all this sort of stuff. I mean, they oh, yeah. they the, the thing was is that they the original series didn't they all they talked about how the 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 local natives said there was a darkness in the woods or whatever, but they never went really deep on it. And yeah. as we know from the secret history that Mark Frost, you know, does go deep on the Nez Pierce and all stuff like that. And Hawk is our conduit to that. So it's nice to see that getting some representation, I guess, however forced as it is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think one of the things about it is that it's really explicit. I mean, if there's anything that I'm a little less enthusiastic about in the in the whole series, uh, you know, episode eight aside, we're just seeing that as an audience, you know, yeah. the stuff where our characters see things and are totally unfazed by them. And there are, you know, and and they're very explicit things. I feel like a lot of stuff is maybe a little bit, a lot more explicit. The, the supernatural stuff is a lot more explicitly presented than uh, yeah. than it was in the past, and maybe a little too much for me. I mean, the um, uh, I, you know, when the kid got hit by the car, uh, in, and uh, in episode six or whatever, and Carl, you know, watches literally the kid's soul fly up into the air. I yeah. felt like. I don't know if we need to see that, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of stuff like that where it feels like it's a, a, a few steps too far for me. But at the same time, it is what it is. Right. I mean, that, that was that, that was Connor's uh, complaint about episode eight is like he's like, I don't want to know where Bob comes from. I don't know how, you know, like like I don't I, like I like the mystery of that. and I don't want it explicitly told to me like it goes back to the Wolverine. Yeah, but, you speak of Logan, but, the, you know, we don't want to know Wolverine's origin. And now that we do, he's he's ruined. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't honestly I I am less sympathetic towards this idea that somehow episode eight was really explicit about how it all works. <laughs> <laughs> I, think you, I think there may be a little interpretation in there, you know, because yeah. like, uh, it's, it's uh, totally abstract for most of it. I mean, I, I realize that, you know, there's the you know, Laura prom photo and, and seeing Bob. And I, I mean, and I would prefer that we didn't see things that literally 
But I also think that, that just because it's been presented to us doesn't mean it's the thing that we're it's the, it doesn't mean the conclusion we're drawing is correct. Well, yeah, the fact that all of us, none of us can agree exactly what part eight means, I think, yeah. speaks to that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Anything else before we get to Dougie? Because we, we finish on a good, well, strong Dougie. Well, yeah, scenario. no, well, well, but no, the, the last bit with uh, Sheriff Truman and Hawk was the tension after when Sheriff Truman asks what the black dot with the little antenna coming out is and Hawk saying, you never want to know what that is. And you could cut yeah. the tension with the knife and then the knock on the door. And like, oh, who is it? And it's just the dumb deputy asking the sheriff to look at his new car. And just the, the look on the sheriff's face when he looked at Hawk, like it was like again, the juxtaposition, you know, the new generation versus the yeah. old generation. <laughs> Jesse's a little bit the new Andy in this episode because he also has the weird story about I was at Big Ed's gas farm yeah. and I yeah. heard shots. Yeah, right. But um, but before I we get like to that guy. Yeah, yeah, I, I like him too. Actually, he's not too bad. But uh, before yeah, we get to Dougie, though, we still we see Gordon and Albert and and uh, and Diane back at the, the the South Dakota police station. And uh, yeah, and we've touched on on a lot, like Diane but, recognizing the code and not really admitting that she saw the trash zombie the way she did. There's the policeman's dream of coffee and donuts. But what about uh, what about scene. what about the the uh, Gordon's right hand shaking? Oh right, uh, yeah. cat on a hot tin roof. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. that. Was, I saw that. I went, oh, like I did an air suck on that one. It was, uh-huh. yeah, and and Albert pulls out the photo of of Ruth's arm with the coordinates, and you see Diane trying to memorize them. And Albert mm-hmm. noticed. You yeah. know, again, he gave well, to your point. They're they're telegraphing it pretty strongly. Yeah, too explicit. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, it seems like that. I mean, it, she's she worked for the FBI. She's like the world's worst evil spy. <laughs> she's literally like mouthing the numbers because she's got to tell evil coop, you know? <laughs> so I don't, I don't quite buy it. Yeah. I, I don't know either. Um, but yeah, I did pause it on that. It looks like they're, this coordinates are 48, 55, 142, 117, 26, 59. And then it gets uh, smudged. Did so. you put them in uh, Google maps? Not or? yet. Not yet. But, oh, uh, cause it yeah. gets smudged at the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know exactly where it is, but I'm sure somebody's going to go and find it and figure it out what it is. Ugh. All right. Uh, Dougie time. And, and we know, uh, where Gabe stands on Dougie. We know that Ron likes Dougie and we know that I'm tired of Dougie and this didn't change my opinion. I guess at this point I'm, I'm leaning more towards Gabe where it's like, eh, I don't expect anything to happen with Dougie other than what happens around him. And I'm just used to it by now. I do like the idea and this, the whole sequence that we see in this part are, is great for this, that all the things that happen to Dougie that he accidentally gets credit for are definitely Cooper type things. When they're recounting what this guy has done, I'm like, Oh yeah, I could tie, it's, it, totally see another another storyline where Cooper actively does all of these things. Yeah, yeah. He I, stopped. He stopped Mike the or Ike the Spike. Uh, he's he's uncovered a, a corruption ring with his investigations. Like it's it's all Cooper <laughs> stuff. Yeah, that's true. And and but it's it's Cooper stuff, but it's also with a little guidance from the Red Room, right? Or you know, from from the one armed man, right? Right. right, which I think is the is the key kind of bit, which is the first time where you know with the whole storyline, this all hinges on of all people Jim Belushi's dream, you know, and so yeah. so okay, so is the Red Room saving Dougie via other people? Like I, you know, like that that you know they're interfering yeah. definitely because they 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 move Dougie to go buy the cherry pie at yep. the coffee shop, and they give Jim Belushi's character the dream. Yeah. But it's also sort of a, a perspective question on uh, Cooper and his ability to, uh, you know, do this stuff and, and him being assisted by other things. Because, I mean, he was, you know, I mean, the Tibetan method and all of that sort of stuff yeah. was suggesting that he was 
influenced by things that we didn't, you know, that we didn't know or understand in, in the first place. We were just seeing it from the other way around. Yeah, he's always been trying to tap into some other form of assistance. So this isn't that much different. Uh, we get a great version of Viva Las Vegas by Sean Colvin, as uh, I don't think any of us were really surprised that Dougie didn't end up going where they said he was going to go. Yeah. Uh, because we but, knew but that. But we did follow the, the car for, a, for the, a realistic amount of time it would take to drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the office. It's like, the was this some part of the deal with Vegas to shoot there? Like, okay, fine, we'll do a, a Chamber of Commerce uh, strip drive-by. There you go. <laughs> It's like I we have watched so many people like David Lynch just does not believe in the time cut. Right. He thinks that you have to watch people go like you have to spend the time with them to go from one place to another. And like I and I was thinking, God, this really is. I I mean, he really sticks with people and like the shoe leather of walking from one place to another. And uh, like uh, we call it shoe leather, like just movie talk stuff is, you know, people walking yeah. from uh, from one place to another. The thing you don't need to see is called shoe leather. Right. And uh, so like uh, and but then uh, my wife, Corinne, and I were watching a racer had a couple uh, a couple like last week. Right. Mm. And like the whole beginning of a racer head is Jack Nance just walking from one place to another yep. and you just follow him the entire way. And it was like, Oh no, this is pretty much what he's been doing the whole time. I guess completely antithetical to the kind of storytelling that people do now, the kind of storytelling where you cut out anything that's not relevant. I mean, it's, it's weird when you go back and watch, uh, uh, episodes of, uh, of some eighties TV show yeah, and every, every scene, people walk into a room or people leave a room or, or all, all these kind of boring parts that you're sitting there going, why on earth would anybody have ever kept this stuff in? Except that David Lynch does a thousand percent that he does like way more than anybody else would have done. And to a bizarre degree that is sort of hypnotic or something. I really love this setting out in the desert by the ruins. Uh, it was just gorgeous. And I love the fact that a, a dream cherry pie was involved. A real cherry pie was involved that saved him. He, of course, uh, boss made sure he had the check on him and they frisk him. And that's, I was like, how are they going to get the check? Cause he's not going to yeah, hand it to him. That was handy. Well, there you go. That was handy. That, yeah. that worked out well. And then he, now he's their best friend uh, because yeah. cherry pie and $30 million makes for best friends. <laughs> One so, thing about Jim Belushi's dream, though. Yeah. So he says uh, to his brother that in the dream, the the uh, the wound on his head was completely healed. He mm-hmm. takes off the, the bandage. The wound is completely healed. Are, are we in reality or are we in a dream? That's a very you good, know. Yeah, that's a very that's a question for the entire the storyline. Yeah. yeah, the brother says that's impossible. It's impossible yeah. for him to have healed up that fast. And he takes the thing off and it's healed. And I and like to me, I just wonder if it isn't signaling something that we're that you can't trust that this is really real. Uh, So do you think do you think the whole Dougie thing is a construct in the lodges or something like that? And this is I, I, I can't go down that road. I can't go down the it's all, you know, because there are clearly things that are connecting this to the real the quote unquote real world. The yeah. the key, the hotel key and and uh yep. and the and stuff like that. But at the same time, I think that it's there's it's possible that there's some version of this that is internally contradictory where it is mm-hmm. real and a dream. You know, I mean that certainly things like Mulholland Drive 
have established these kind of ideas, or certain, even more so Lost Highway, where uh, where there are elements to it that are clearly not real, yet uh, they contradict with real life stuff that we understand as being real. And I mean, I don't know exactly where this goes or how that works out, but I think that there's some version of this where it's not all, it's, it's not exactly as clean as it's a dream world or it's a construct, but it's not exactly real either. I don't know. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get to that in our review in our listener email in a little bit as well too. Yeah, I think that, there's a theory that's a good, about that. That's a good segue for, for sure. that. But yeah, but let's let's remember that. Um, <laughs> but, but, so, but yeah, one 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 more thing about uh, them all eating some cherry pie at the at the Vegas uh, casino is that I and I'm I'm sure we've gotten this with coffee before, but we get Cooper making an mmm sound, which is not repeating what someone else is saying. I don't think. Right. Yeah. Like an, an un, uninitiated, unprovoked uh, sense of enjoyment. And even though I've entirely given up on Dougie becoming Cooper until much later in the series, there was that brief spark of hope that the cherry pie combined with the coffee would be the thing. <laughs> well, he, he did say yeah, he, he, he did say it was damn fine. So <laughs> yeah, but right after yeah, uh, no, I know, I know. The other guy <laughs> said it. So. Damn fine. Yeah, <laughs> but it was nice to hear him say it. In yeah. any case, yeah. So, All right. So, any last so, thoughts well, before we uh, head I, off? I've got a question. I've got a question and then an observation. Um, so right. my question is: Is this the Dougie interlude? Did this turn for, for you, Dougie haters? At this question for the audience as well as you, Tom. Um, did <laughs> you not fu- a hate Dougie hater? I'm just a Dougie tired of him. When you could feel the crosshairs bearing down on Dougie, right? When Bushnell says they're going to send a car to pick you up, we know what that means, right? And does this did this little bit have you rooting for Dougie? No, no, no. It, uh. it, it, I, didn't, I didn't feel the need to root for Dougie. I know Dougie's bit now very well. Uh, yeah. Dougie repeats the last words of, of things that other people say that will move the conversation along uh, because everyone seems to want to play along with Dougie, and he comes out of every situation unharmed. Yeah. So I was not worried in, in the least about Dougie. Right. Um, I was like, he's he's got the check. They're going to find the check, and then he's going to live. How that's going to happen, I'm very interested to see how it unfolded. I wasn't right. bored, but I also wasn't worried about him. Right. All right. One of the things I think, one of the, just one of the things, just broadly, that's a deficit about doing the show this way, where you know, <laughs> where we're talking about it as you know, the second after it happens, and yeah, uh, is is that like I just keep picturing over and over again, and I listen to some other podcasts didn't care for them but the, um like where people were really upset about it and they just whined the entire time but like I, I think that it made me think about uh how during the original run of the show how incredibly frustrated everybody was with it yes. <laughs> really quickly yeah. and uh how like and particularly like if you know if this was the the 1990 podcast uh that we were all on and so, you know, somebody would be like, you know, for the first, you know, whatever it is, half of the series up through the middle of season two would be like, why is Leland so like he's he's whining all the time or he's, yeah. you know, like he's he's just act pointlessly weird all the time. What is that about? It's going nowhere, you know, and uh, and like it, it's but it, it in reality was the crux of everything that was right in front of us in plain sight. But we had no idea. So right. I just don't it's hard to look at stuff that way when we're in the middle of it. Right. That's absolutely true. And it's why I try not to get upset 
about things that bug me. That's why I didn't want to be a Dougie hater. Just a, <laughs> like I am honestly at this point with Dougie. I'm probably supposed to be at that point with Dougie right Man. now, you know, and it will oh, all yeah. pay off. I've, I'm perfectly aware of that. It's Dougie impatience. Oh, but, but, but we don't, I'm almost saying we don't even know, you know, I yeah. mean, like there, you know, we're, we're not even in a position to be able to talk about it totally. in a way that is going to, you know, mean anything. Yeah. yeah, it means yeah. we're gonna have to do a a rewatch podcast of this. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna have to do another eighteen episodes where we go back and correct ourselves and everything. All yeah, right, well, yeah. well, so so just two more two more quick things. So uh, three more th- quick, thank quick things. Um, <laughs> By two, I, we mean three. I mentioned it earlier, but I'm starting to love Bushnell more and more. Just the fact that he was doing push-ups at his desk while he was waiting for Dougie to come in. <laughs> that was pretty good. Was just great. Um, number two, uh, on the music side of things, you know, you mentioned the the Sean Colvin Viva Las Vegas. But um, when Gordon was going into the lodge, we brought back the Therundy for the victims of Hiroshima music. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Oh, I I didn't really catch that. Yep. Oh, interesting. And then, I didn't uh, catch it until right. the, the credits, actually. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, that was there. Right. And then right. the right. – and then the it was nice to see in the very last scene, you know, the 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 interlude that kind of gets Dougie kind of paying attention when the lady comes over to talk to him about Mr. Jackpots again, which I love, by the way. I love that her life has turned around. But um, I, I actually that was so fucking corny and yeah. such a like a, a <laughs> like a corny old movie trope. I loved it. Yep. Um, but it was nice to see that interlude was a new so, uh, heartbreaking by Angela Battlementi, um, although not. Battlementi playing the piano. That was an actor. That is not Angelo Battlementi right. in the it show. Was performed but it, by yeah. Battlementi, yeah. yeah. but that you didn't see him. Right, playing. exactly. Right. Yeah. There's been a lot of uh, of your. I think David Lynch said the the best way to listen to it with you know to to watch the thing was with headphones, and and I actually watched this one with headphones for the first oh, yeah. time because like every other time, this is actually the first time I've ever watched an episode of this by myself. Um, every other time, I've either watched it with my wife Karina or actually most times we've just had people over to watch them and so like uh it was uh but karina is in utah in uh looking for dinosaur fossils uh right now and completely oh, cool. uh off the grid and uh and i'm gonna have the friends over later but the uh, but like <laughs> I, it was a weird experience to uh to watch it that way it was a little bit more immersive but I'm I'm a little bit of a headphone skeptic for uh, for this because because uh, like when you're when you're listening to stuff through headphones I still feel like the the voices need to be coming out of that front center speaker you know yep. and uh, and so it just creates a kind of weird disconnected thing as much as uh, as anything but there certainly is a much bigger you know audio world in there uh, when you when you do the close listen on headphones. Right. Oh yeah, I haven't done the headphones thing yet. I can't bring myself to get off the cat. Like I, w- I want to sit on the couch and watch. Like I turn the lights off. I watch it on the TV. Like that's kind of maybe I'll try the headphones. Well, I should do that. I, I can do it I with the a, Roku. Yeah, yeah. You I can, have a you long can plug cord. your headphones into the uh, remote of the Roku. I know. I, so if I use Showtime off the Roku, I should I should definitely do that. Yeah. Um, yeah I I just live in the seventies. I have a big cord that goes all the way <laughs> from the couch. To the you know the the tuner. Oh geez, the Gabe, Gabe, which I imagine you talking to us just changed entirely. Right? Gabe, Gabe, please, <laughs> please tell me it's a spiral cord. Like oh, you, no. you know, like it's, like, a, it's, it's got shag carpeting one, in front of him. He's, he's on a plaid couch. A lot of brown. You do not. I don't give a fuck about your Bluetooth. You don't know when you're going to need like a fifteen foot. <laughs> True. He, he speaks the truth. All right. So the last thing is that while we were talking, I uh, deciphered the coordinates on the arm. 
And the coordinates are 48, 55, 142 by 117, 26, 59, which uh, goes on Google Maps to Colville, Washington, which is in the uh, northeastern corner of Washington on the Canadian-United States border. Um, That sounds like something that might be close to Twin Peaks. And now here's the freaky part is that you know how on Google Maps, like when you zoom out to a certain level, it only shows you like the names of like uh, of just like a town, like in the middle of nowhere or whatever. Um, When I typed in those coordinates, this is very personal to me, but when I typed in those coordinates, um, the next town over from uh, Colville is the town that has the same name as the town I'm from in Long Island in New York. (laughs) Which is weird. Holy Spooky. shit, Ron. <laughs> I wonder if that's true for all of us. All of no Twin Peaks. Or, look, the entirety of Twin Peaks The Return was made for Ron Richards. I think we, <laughs> we finally cracked it. I, it took all my I – I had to bite my knuckle when it loaded while you guys were talking because I'm like, that's my town. But it's not. Oh, this is all for me. There you go. Ron, <laughs> are you going to be in the show at the end? Is, it, <laughs> is this all leading to you? <laughs> I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs> He just shows up at the end and explains everything. You gotta admit that was weird. That was a little weird to see my hometown name right there. It's, it's, it's very freaky. All right. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Let's move on down to the roadhouse. We got an email from Patrick from Charlotte, who has a theory on when Dougie will be Cooper again. It goes back to the poster in Bushnell Mullen's office. Uh, in it, it says in four furious rounds. So that, says Patrick, woke the Scott Pilgrim scholar in me and realized that Dougie Cooper must defeat four evil exes or something like that. There are four villains that Dougie is dealing with. Not 100% sure about the first one, though. Uh, the Lone Sharks, Dougie owed 50000 to. Reason I'm not 100% sure about this one is that I'm not convinced that paying 25000 back made them go away. Might have, and if so, that's one foe Dougie got rid of. Number two, Ike the Spike, defeated. Number three, the Mitchum Brothers, which was ongoing, but now They've defeated been... or peace-made, right? Yep. Uh, defused. And then number four is Dougie's co-worker, who we see briefly looking through the window at Bushnell, but we didn't get anything else from him during this. And his plan was to get the Mitchum brothers to kill Dougie, and that plan didn't work. Uh, anyway, Patrick says, after Dougie defeats all four factions, Cooper will come back. I'm most likely wrong, but I haven't heard anyone talk about it from this point of view. Well, wouldn't number four be bad Coop? He's the bad coop just put a hit at him uh, on, yeah, on that, last episode. Well, that, that could be I, that could I, be described he, as his coworker from abroad for a big picture. Well, no, I think I think his <laughs> coworker from Black Lodge coworker. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at it as as the coworker at the insurance company is number four. That brings Cooper back, which then enables him to take on Bad Cooper. So the fifth yeah. the fifth villain that he's got to de- destroy. Yeah. Right, he has to destroy yeah. four to bring himself back so that he can actually get the hero. Yeah. The, the I boss just feel like if you're looking at villains, Tom. Sizemore is not, you know, like lurking around, looking through a window. Not like on the same level as... Uh, it's not as furious of a round. I get what you're saying. <laughs> well, what I liked about this was, was that it is, a, I mean, the, the idea of the hero's quest or the hero's journey, like what he's got to do yeah, to yeah. come back. Um, but I also like how Patrick, before he even tells us his examples, that the first one he's not sure about. <laughs> like, yes. Great way to convince <laughs> me on an argument. Well, look, you know, there, there are two things, but there are actually three things. So, like... <laughs> I think that, uh, that this is probably a little bit consistent. Yeah, Patrick right. has been on the internet enough to yeah. know, never say anything absolutely, <laughs> or people will come for you yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> um, I, don't, I, 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 I don't know if he's nailed the four exact villains or not, but I do like this idea that, that Cooper comes back after ticking off some boxes, after defeating yeah. a certain number of, of foes. 
uh, and that that allows him to reassemble. And then the, he takes down the boss, which is mm. Bad Cooper. Yeah, I mean, conceptually, cons- conceptually, I like it. All right. Yeah, there's something pleasing to it. Well, we've solved all of Twin Peaks. We know how Cooper's coming back, and we know that Ron will come at the end of the series <laughs> and explain everything to us. I don't know where yeah. else to go. I think we, we've done it. Thank you, so, Gabe. Ron, what was the deal with the uh, with the frog with wings? <laughs> God, I don't know. Part, 16, or part 18, sorry. <laughs> Listen, I signed an NDA. David would get upset. Uh, I really, you know... <laughs> What do you? What do you uh, say? Gabe, by, by, by the way, before, so we're bringing that up, Gabe. Who do you think the little girl was? Oh yeah, that the frog crawled. The, that the frog crawled in their mouth at the end of part eight. Do you think that's Laura's uh, mother? Is that Sarah? I feel like it's Sarah Palmer. You yeah. know, and but I also feel like that's not quite right. So I'm yeah. I'm, 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 keeping I'm like sixty two percent on Sarah Palmer. I mean, yeah. I'm in the yeah. camp, but I'm not very far in the camp. I mean, it is a long game if the uh, if the frog thing is Laura and crawled inside (laughs) her mother and became one of her mother's eggs, which then lived there for, uh, you know, for the next, uh, whatever, 30 years or whatever it was. That's going to be part 12, just showing the frog thing laying eggs inside of Sarah Palmer. I would feel, I would feel better about it being Sarah Palmer if I had one hint somewhere that put Sarah Palmer in New Mexico. If I had any piece of evidence whatsoever, <laughs> I would be more confident. About exactly, this exactly. No, but like, if there was a mention in the secret history that Laura, you know, Sarah, you know, Sarah Palmer grew up in New Mexico but moved to Twin Peaks in whatever year, yeah. but there was none of that. So that's why I'm like yeah. iffy yeah. on Also, it. don't we see Laura's little glowing orb go to Washington? Did it go to Washington? I don't know about that. We just see it go to the. Do we? we didn't, I we mean, didn't I know people said that. Well, wait yeah. a minute. Well, wait a minute. What, PD, what PDF was the giant looking at? <laughs> <laughs> he downloaded an out-of-date map. That's that's what <laughs> explains all. But that. I mean, it was but the the globe thing with Laura in it was clearly like representing a kind of egg, and then yeah. the next thing we saw was an egg and an egg opening and the thing coming out. Yeah, so yeah. I do right. feel like it was making a strong correlation. Then it's definitely yeah. Sarah. I'm yeah. now I'm seventy-one percent. Yeah. All right, uh, Gabriel Hardman. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us and explaining all these mysteries to us. Oh, thank you. I know I can't be the Ron Richards who comes along and, and saves us all, and tells us but, uh, but I try. If people want to find out more about what's going on with you, what should they do? Oh, I don't know. I mean, oh yeah, uh, look for me online uh, on uh, uh, the, on Twitter. I'm Gabriel Hardman, and, uh, and that's mostly it. Uh, also, I have. Uh, um, they just announced that uh, I'm doing a a, a Green Lantern. Uh, my wife and I, Karina. Uh, are, are doing uh, Green Lantern Earth One book for DC. It's coming out next year, uh, so that that's like the big next announcement Fantastic. type thing. That I've got. I, be- I believe my reaction when that was announced was, "Well, that's a no-brainer buy. Everybody should order it right now if you can, if it's even up for order." But yeah, that's uh, congratulations. It's, it's far in the future. It's inexplicably <laughs> far in the future, I guess, because of the book market. Yeah. But I'm, I'm drawing the last pages of it now. Somehow it comes out in eight months. I'll be able to put out like. 20 books from image in the amount of time, uh, you know, to, to get this thing out. But you know, it is what it is. It's good. Well, still pretty yeah. cool doing a graphic novel for DC with green, green, great. yeah. Sci-fi. It's I'm, I'm, I can't yeah. wait to read it. So yeah, very much a sci-fi book, very much a, uh, you know, a, 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 it's, it's an out of continuity thing. So it's a, it's us, you know, looking at, at green lantern and going, uh, you know, th- this is how we would do it. And taking away a lot of the things that uh, make everybody comfortable about green lantern and, uh, uh, and, you know, doing some different stuff, but still telling this guy's story. 
I'm sure that you'll be able to find out when it's out on Twitter. If you follow him, G-A-B-R-I-E-L-H-A-R-D-M-A-N. Go follow him now. And uh, thanks, everybody, for playing along with this. You can comment on this episode at damnfinepodcast.com. You can email us, feedback at damnfinepodcast.com. Uh, support us on Patreon. You can, you can, at a certain level, get into our Slack and start trading around your crazy theories with us and other people in the audience at patreon.com slash damnfinepodcast. Of course, we're on Twitter, too, damnfinecast, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash damnfinepodcast. Thanks for listening to us. Tune in next time for part 12. Let's rock. I'm Tom. I'm Ron. 